Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to the Red Light Report with yours truly, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hope you guys are having a great, I would say, start to your month, but holy cow, we're, we're halfway through December the holidays are right around the corner. 2023 is knocking on the door. So hope you guys are ready for a fun holiday season and ready to turn over the calendar to the next year. But as you can guess, and as I'm sure you can tell by the title of this solo sode, uh, we are going to continue trekking on with some of the proverbial hot off the press photo bio modulation research. And yeah, I hope you guys have been enjoying these last handful or so of solo sodes that are highlighting all these different pieces of research. I know maybe it gets a little boring listening to the science or maybe it gets a little too science-y and deep into the weeds. I know some people appreciate that. Some people are kind of nerdy like me where they like digging into the details. And I can surely understand how that can be just as exciting as watching paint dry. So I hope it's not getting too boring yet. Of course, we're going to return to some interviews here and have some nice back and forth with some health and wellness and biohacking and longevity experts. But December is kind of a hectic time and people are traveling and running around and it's it's time to get some presents and <laughs> gift giving time of the year. So it gets a little hectic and busy and it's kind of nice just to have some low level laser therapy, low level laser therapy. Just kidding. Some low-level, low-intensity episodes, just some general information. But while it's general information, it's still some pretty darn exciting information as far as the new revelations and the new insights and the new directions that we're seeing with this red light therapy research, the photobiomodulation research. I mean, even just last week's article highlighting how there's a uh, temporal importance to red light therapy in in that research article highlighting the glymphatic system and how that can be augmented with some near infrared while you're sleeping of course we know about the many health benefits of near infrared light for the brain but that's during wakefulness or while we're awake so that research article found out that there's certainly some benefits to be had while getting some near infrared while sleeping and again, highlighting the glymphatic system. So anyway, another diatribe into the science. But regardless, I hope you guys find this information at least interesting, if not somewhat applicable, or, or maybe you can see how this uh, research is starting to steer things in a pretty exciting direction. And I think that's going to continue just to turn out month after month and year after year. And this solo sode will just be a continuation of that. Some more exciting articles. And, and I don't choose these. I'm not going to say they're random, but I just have a laundry list, pages and pages and pages and pages of Microsoft document pages that are just links of research articles. So every time a new article comes up, I get them sent to my email basically on a daily basis. And so I'll check out the articles, see if they're interesting, see if they're relevant. And then I'll add that link to the doc. And over the course of days and weeks and now months, I have over getting close to seven pages of just PubMed links. More or less, that's what I'm doing is I'm just going down the line here of my links and, and clicking on them and reviewing the article and seeing if it'd be interesting for a review here on, on the uh, podcast, see if it would be interesting enough for you guys. 
and then that's how they get added to the episodes. So these aren't really handpicked or cherry picked. I'm just going down the line, and if they're interesting, I'm, I'm reporting them to you. So there's really no sequence or timing to these articles other than the sequence of when they arrived in my mailbox in the order of which I click on them. So don't think that these are necessarily being reported in a hierarchy of importance. Any article on any given solo so that I'm doing research can be as important as any other one. So, so just keep that in mind. And so as we continue on with this week's research, we are going to start with an article from this month, December of 2022. So talk about hot off the press. This one is from Lasers in Medical Science Journal, and it's entitled Effect of Low-Level Light Therapy Before Radiotherapy in Oral Squamous Cell Carcinoma, an in vitro study. So looking at red light therapy, how it can impact cancer cells. And so the abstract which is a nice quick review, goes as such. Radiation therapy for head and neck squamous cell carcinoma, HNSCC, is associated with several complications. Although photobiomodulation has radioprotective effects in normal tissue, it could also enhance the growth of neoplastic cells. Thus, the present study aimed to investigate the cellular response of oral squamous cell carcinoma with pre-exposure to low-level phototherapy before radiotherapy. So essentially, this is stepping away from the abstract, but essentially what they're saying without saying it is they're going to precondition various cell lines prior to radiotherapy. So preconditioning cells before radiotherapy to see how those cells respond. So another potential way to utilize red light therapy for preconditioning. But moving on here in the abstract, the cells were treated with a single energy density of 300 joules per centimeter of a light emitting diode of red, which is 660 nanometers, prior to ionizing radiation at different dosages, either 0, 2, 4, or 6 gray which is a measurement, the uh, abbreviation is GY, just like milliliters ML, gray is GY. So, so the different dosages of this ionizing radiation is 0, 2, 4, and 6 gray. And one gray is the international system of units equivalent to 100 rads, which is equal to an absorbed dose of one joule per kilogram. I had to look that up myself, but that was a a very labored way of saying one gray equals one joule per kilogram. So if the different ionizing radiation dosages are zero, two, four, six gray, that means we're looking at zero, two, four, and six joules per kilogram for these different dosages. So, So carrying on here, after 24 hours, wound scratch, proliferation, clonogenic cell survival, and and clonogenicity is the ability of a cell to clone itself and grow into a full colony of cloned cells. So again, they're looking at wound scratch, proliferation, clonogenic cell survival, cell death, and reactive oxygen species analyses were performed to evaluate the cell response to this preconditioning. The cell lines pre-exposed to photobiomodulation at the analyzed dosage were radiosensitive. The treatment significantly reduced cell proliferation and clonogenic cell survival. 
migration and cell death assays also revealed positive results, with the treatment group showing lower rate of migration and higher cell death than did the control group. Moreover, photobiomodulation effectively increased the intracellular levels of reactive oxygen species. So photobiomodulation at 300 joules per centimeter squared is a promising radiosensitizing modality to reduce the radiation dose and avoid the intolerable side effects of radiotherapy for HNSCC. And again, that stands for head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. Thus, increasing the probability of successful treatment. And of course, however, further studies are needed to support and confirm the results. So that's the abstract, and that's really all I have because it's such a new article, I can't get my hands on the full PDF. But as you heard in that second part of the abstract, lots of positive results based on the study. So essentially, with the preconditioning of these oral squamous carcinoma cells, by preconditioning them, we're seeing an increase in the effectiveness of the radiotherapy. And not only that, but the radiation dose is reduced, meaning that should lead to less negative side effects from this radiotherapy. So essentially, not only are you making the cancer treatment more effective, but you need less of it to be effective. And again, that's simply with proper preconditioning of red light. Because of course, with with squamous cells, that's skin cells. So you only need red light because near-infrared penetrates deeper than the skin. So red light only is necessary. So very interesting. And of course, I couldn't get into the details to see which dose was most effective if it was, of course, it wasn't zero. But if it was two, four, or six gray, or six joules per kilogram, as we know, So if I can ever get my hands on that PDF or or eventually once it becomes attainable, I'll I'll dig a little deeper into that and possibly report back to you guys if I can remember that. But regardless, the results are once again exciting and promising that preconditioning, at least head and neck squamous cell carcinoma, so in the mouth. But regardless, the tissue in the mouth, superficial, so you only need red. And not only that, but oral tissue itself is quite sensitive to to light, meaning you really don't need a high dosage to see positive results. So once again, treating the mouth, and I'm sure we, we will see similar results for skin cancer down the line here, but regardless, for head and neck squamous cell carcinoma, reduced cancer treatment necessary to see effective results, and more effective results were attained. So I'll stop repeating myself and We'll move along to this second article, and similar to last week, where we really dug deep into treating the brain during wakefulness versus sleep, we got pretty deep into that one. We're going to get pretty deep into this article, and I think it's equally exciting to last week's research looking into brain for sleep and the glymphatic system. So, So this article came out in July 31st of this year, 2022. So another hot off the press, but not as hot as the last one from from December, but it's entitled Full Body Photobiomodulation Therapy is Associated with Reduced Sleep Duration and Augmented Cardiorespiratory Indicators of Recovery. So that might seem like a counterintuitive title with reduced sleep durations, but let's dig a little deeper and to see 
what they're exactly looking at in this article and why that title is actually quite exciting. The research is emerging on the use of photobiomodulation therapy and its potential for augmenting human performance. However, relatively little research exists utilizing full-body administration methods. As such, further research supporting the efficacy of whole-body applications of photobiomodulation therapy for behavioral and physiological modifications is applicable, real-world settings are warranted. The purpose of this analysis was to observe cardiorespiratory and sleep patterns surrounding the use of full-body photobiomodulation therapy in an elite cohort of female soccer players. Members of a women's soccer team in a Power 5 conference of the National Collegiate Athletic Association, or NCAA, were observed across one competitive season while wearing an aura ring nightly and a GPS sensor during training. Within subject comparisons of cardiorespiratory physiology, sleep duration, and sleep composition were evaluated the night before and after photobiomodulation sessions completed as a standard of care for team recovery. Did you guys know that it's teeth whitening season? Well, heck, isn't it always teeth whitening season? Who doesn't want to have the whitest, brightest smile in the room? And not just that, but also receive the benefits of red light therapy for the oral cavity at the same time. My company, BioLite, just released our newest product called the Guardian Plus, which implements both blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but also the red and near-infrared light for the red light therapy aspect for your oral cavity. We're all familiar with blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but did you know the blue light therapy is also beneficial for selectively killing harmful bacteria, leaving the beneficial bacteria thriving and well, and blue light therapy is also good for gum health and tooth sensitivity. And of course we know the laundry list of things that red light therapy does for the oral cavity, such as gum health and gum pain, infections and inflammation, wound healing, gingivitis, oral mucositis, so on and so forth. So with the Guardian Plus, you get the best of both worlds. Whiten your teeth, and improve the health of your oral microbiome. Moving along into the article here, learning a little bit more, autonomic status and balance have been identified as valuable indicators of fatigue and recovery. With external influences minimized during sleep, nocturnal monitoring of heart rate and heart rate variability during rest are said to exhibit the strongest degree of reliability for quantifying recovery, specifically in athletes. Nocturnal trends in HR and HRV can be influenced by a multitude of factors impacting recovery status, including physical training and sleep quality. Despite this, few studies have evaluated sleep or nocturnal physiology in response to photobiomodulation therapy. Though, limited research has suggested improvements in subjective sleep quality and serum melatonin, despite no effect on next morning HRV. The present analysis was conducted to observe natural free-living trends in sleep and recovery surrounding the use of photobiomodulation in a team of Division I NCAA women's soccer athletes. Given the intense physical workloads demanded of athletes at this level, in combination with the mental and emotional stress of intra- and inter-team competition, full day-to-day recovery is of the utmost importance for this population to prevent injury or overreaching. 
It was hypothesized that photobiomodulation therapy would be associated with improved physiological indicators of recovery. And before we move on here, at the end of this paragraph, they said that despite no effect on next morning HRV. This whole article just reminds me, in a way, of the BioLite study that we did last summer in 2021 with BioStraps. That sounds very familiar. And I'm sure if you're familiar or if you listen to this podcast a lot, you've heard this study quite a few times now. But just to cut to the chase, BioLite did a, a study with full body, our full body panels, the Restore panels. And instead of using an aura ring, we use the BioStrap to measure biometrics to get quantification on the physiology and how it changed with full body red light therapy treatments. And we were looking at sleep as well. So we were looking at heart rate, heart rate variability, different measurements of vascular integrity, and things of that nature, different cycles of sleep and phases of sleep as well, just like this article did. My point being is at the end of this last paragraph here, they were saying research has suggested improvements in subjective sleep quality and serum melatonin despite no effect on next morning HRV. Well, with the BioLite study, what we noticed and one of the, the biggest takeaways of our study actually ended up being that after a 10-minute session of full body red light therapy with the BioLite Restore, five minutes on the front, five minutes on the back, using both red and near-infrared light about six inches away, you saw around a 144% increase in your HRV after that 10-minute session. So a nearly instantaneous 144% increase uh, tapping into your parasympathetic nervous system, hence the increase in HRV. That's what we found out with the BioLite panels using the BioStrap to measure biometrics. We saw that instantaneous increase in HRV. I don't know exactly what the numbers would have been the next morning, like this article is alluding to, but they're basically saying, despite no effect on next morning HRV. So I'd be curious if this study noticed any instantaneous increase in HRV, or if they're kind of just looking at what did the, the athlete's performance or, or what did their physiology look like the next morning or the next evening versus what did it look like directly after that red light therapy session. But let's let's continue on here and see what results they did get. As a standard of practice for team recovery, athletes were provided the opportunity to complete a 20-minute photobiomodulation therapy session using a NovoThor full-body light bed. And if you guys are have ever looked into red light therapy beds, NovoThor is kind of the, the, the gold standard or the cream of the crop as far as red light therapy beds. And I don't know what the price is off the top of my head, but I think it's well over uh, fifty, sixty thousand. It might be closer to a hundred thousand dollars for one of those beds. So these soccer players were getting kind of the best of the best as far as red light therapy beds go. And I find it interesting that they chose twenty minute sessions because to me that seems like a long time. And there is a table in this article that gives you the dose and beam parameters of this Novothor full body light bed. So they have the usual wavelengths. They got 660 nanometers for red, 850 nanometers for near infrared. They had 1200 LEDs of each spectra. So 1200 red, 1200 near infrared. And the light irradiance, which is one of the more important metrics at the patient's skin is 0.012 watts per centimeter squared. 
And of course, if you guys are looking at red light therapy devices, you're used to the metric or the label being milliwatts per centimeter squared, not watts per centimeter squared. So again, in the Nova Thor bed, it's 0.012 watts per centimeter squared. And after I did my calculations, that ends up being 12 milliwatts per centimeter squared. And that is almost exactly what the BioLite matrix, its light irradiance is. It's around 11 to 12 milliwatts per centimeter squared. And so that's what Novathor is using in their full body light bed. And so I bring that up because I was somewhat concerned when I saw that they were doing a 20 minute session, because you know me, less is more for the most part when it comes to red light therapy. And especially when you're doing a full body treatment, if your entire body's covered and it's being surrounded by a high light irradiance, that makes it even easier I don't want to say overdose, that sounds a little more intense, to overtreat and thus not get the desired results you're looking for and possibly see some of those detox symptoms, you know, malaise, lethargy, maybe a headache, maybe some nausea, you know, that kind of stuff. So again, the 20-minute sessions were like, wow, they're doing that with a Novathor bed. But when you look at the light irradiance and you work out the mathematics, let me walk you through this. So again, it's 0.012 watts per centimeter squared, which again is 12 milliwatts per centimeter squared. If you have a panel or a handheld device, most light irradiances are at least 100, upwards of 130. Some companies even use 150 plus milliwatts per centimeter squared. So again, this bed, the LEDs are 12 milliwatts per centimeter squared. So if I use my handy dandy table that's in the ebook that I know some of you guys have purchased individually or it's included with the purchase of a BioLite device, but if you look at that table in the ebook and the table's in there for you guys so that you can kind of calculate dosages if you're looking at research or if you're looking at different devices and you want to know how to work out how many joules you're getting for a certain amount of time. So again, 12 milliwatts per centimeter squared. So according to my table here, that would take about 80 seconds to get one joule per centimeter squared or one joule of light energy. And again, that's really what the dosage comes down to for any protocol. It's all about getting the correct amount of joules. You can play around with multiple variables to get the same amount of joules. So one of the variables, as you all know, is of course light irradiance. But the second variable is the distance from the device because the further you are away from that device, the lower the light irradiance is going to be. The closer you are, the higher it's going to be. So you can modulate the light irradiance with the distance. And then of course, the third variable is the duration of your treatment. So once you decide the distance you want to be from the device, which dictates the light irradiance, now you need to know how long do I need to be at that distance to get one joule of energy or five joules of energy or 20 joules of energy, depending on what you're treating. Most skin issues are going to be maybe one or two joules of light energy. Things like tendons, joints, and, and muscles might be closer to seven, eight, or nine joules of energy you want. And some things that are deeper and more energy intensive, such as nerves, like the brain or even peripheral nerves or, or the spinal cord, those can be into the dozens and dozens and dozens of joules. And so now you see why those light treatments take a longer period of time. To get back to this article here, but I think it was that, that's a good lesson for you guys to learn as far as the variables that come into play when creating a protocol and that it's important to know that ultimately the protocol is predicated 
on the amount of joules you want to get to that target tissue, whether you're treating your thyroid, whether you're treating muscles for athletic recovery, whether you're treating your brain for mental health and stress and anxiety, it all comes down to the amount of joules you want to get to that target tissue. Again, that can be modulated with those three variables. So anyway, back to this article, again, 12 milliwatts, and that takes about 80 seconds to get one joule of energy. Compare that to a panel or a handheld device that has, let's say, 100 milliwatts per centimeter squared. It would take 10 seconds to get one joule of energy. So with this Novothor bed, the almighty, you know, expensive full-body bed, it takes 80 seconds to get one joule of energy. And I think this is another good lesson for everyone listening, because this is a question, and I think it's a misconceived and misrepresented notion in the red light therapy space, is that a higher light irradiance is better. That's simply not true for multiple reasons, and that's why The Matrix, I'm excited about that product, because it breaks the trend of having a panel with a quote-unquote higher light irradiance as if that's the best thing in the world. There's certainly a time and place for that. Efficiency being one and treating deeper tissues that require more photons of energy or more joules of energy, it's important or can be nice to have a higher light irradiance device. But in general, that's not necessary. And especially when you're doing full body treatments, you don't necessarily want a high light irradiance because then again, it's quite easy to overtreat and thus miss your dosage and, and, and overtreat and thus not get the response you're looking for. And so I find it pretty interesting. And I didn't know this until I read this article because I haven't really looked into Novothor products, but I found it kind of nice that they corroborated my sentiment in that a lower light irradiance and especially with a full body device, a low light radiance is probably more advantageous than a higher light radiance. So again, in the red light therapy space, if you see certain brands or companies marketing that they have the highest light radiance on the market or like they've been tested and they have some of the highest, if not the highest light radiance, I don't want to say that's a red flag, but just know it's kind of a misconception whether the company knows it or not, I think some companies don't even know that that's a fallacy, that more light is better or a higher powered light is better. So if, if you see companies doing that, I would send them a question or ask them why they feel that uh, a higher light irradiance is better or like what's the advantage of having a higher light irradiance. If they say that it's because you get more effective result or that the light penetrates deeper, that's simply not true. The penetration of the light does not come down to the light irradiance. That comes down to the spectrum of light, meaning red is 660 nanometers, whereas near-infrared is 850. Since near-infrared is a a longer wavelength, it's going to penetrate deeper than red, regardless of the light irradiance of red. So, for example, red light could have a much higher light irradiance than the near-infrared light, but the near-infrared light, seeing that it's a longer wavelength, will still penetrate deeper than the red light. So that's another thing to keep in mind or, or, or just know as you're utilizing red light therapy. And even if you're just on the market looking to get a device, just know that the light irradiance, while it's important to a certain degree, more is not better. Higher is not better. Higher is not necessarily more advantageous unless you're specifically treating things like the brain or the spinal cord or peripheral nerves, 
where it's difficult to get light to those depths. Thus, a higher light irradiance, which would offer more photons in a given time, would be more advantageous because, for example, getting light to the brain, a very, very small percentage of the light that you're quote-unquote shining, that near-infrared light, actually makes it to the brain. So if you have a higher light irradiance, then you're probably going to be getting more photons to the brain and, and possibly getting a better effect in the same amount of time compared to a device with a lower light irradiance. So that's where I would see the advantage of a higher light irradiance, is treating those deeper tissues. But otherwise, especially again, back to this article with a full body light bed or a full body device, I think a lower light irradiance is more advantageous and is going to allow you as the consumer, as the user, to more likely get more effective results because you're less likely to overtreat compared to a device with a higher light irradiance. And we talked about this several episodes ago where I was doing a deep dive into the matrix and the advantages of a lower light irradiance. So anyway, I just found it really interesting that uh, Novathor and their full body light bed kind of corroborated my thought process with the matrix. So again, it takes about 80 seconds to get one joule of energy, whereas like a panel that most people are used to, that would take about 10 seconds. And so the treatment time being 20 minutes, that would give you about 15 joules of light energy throughout the course of the treatment. So for a 20-minute treatment, for a full-body 20-minute treatment, a 15-joule energy treatment is not like super, super high. I, I was thinking, you know, when I saw 20 minutes in Novathor, I thought they were going to have a high-powered machine. I thought this thing could have been like in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, which would have certainly been over-treating in my mind. So I was curious to see what the results were, if that were the case. But that isn't the case, of course, because they have a quite low light irradiance bed. And so 15 joules is a pretty respectable and seemingly proper dosage based on what I've read in all of the research. So I was excited to see that they actually probably hit it on the head with their dosage. So I'm going to get off my soapbox now and we are going to return to, to the article here. But I do feel that that was important to touch on those points about the light irradiance and joules and dosage and, and protocols and light penetration and all that. So I hope you guys found that useful. But back to the article here. They go on to say that each athlete wore a properly sized second generation aura ring at night to capture biometrics. Summary sleep variables, which are representative of the full night, were collected via the aura ring and included total sleep time, sleep efficiency, awake duration, light sleep duration, deep sleep duration, and REM sleep duration. Proportions of each sleep stage were further calculated and are included as percentage light sleep, percentage deep sleep, and percentage REM sleep. So then moving along to some of the results of the study, compared to pre-intervention, mean heart rate was significantly lower the night after a photobiomodulation session. Sleep durations were also reduced following photobiomodulation, with total sleep time averaging 40 minutes less the night after a session, as well as significant reductions in light sleep and rapid eye movement sleep durations. Sleep durations were still lower following photobiomodulation, even when controlling for daily and accumulated training loads. Enhanced cardiorespiratory indicators of recovery following photobiomodulation, despite significant reductions in sleep duration, suggest that it may be an effective modality for maintaining adequate recovery from the high stress loads experienced by elite athletes. 
So moving on to part of the discussion section of the uh, article, they go on to say that potential mechanisms justifying the relationship between sleep and photobiomodulation therapy have not yet been suggested in the literature. Given that most sleep research has only demonstrated the consequences of failing to obtain sufficient sleep, as well as what may inhibit it, there is a scarce understanding of what may cause a reduction in required sleep. Augmented waste clearance from photobiomodulation, which has been demonstrated previously, could enhance physiological efficiency and may justify the changes observed in sleep architecture. I'm going to hearken back to last week where we talked about the glymphatic system and the potential for red light therapy to enhance the detox of the brain and the central nervous system via the glymphatic system. And so that could be what they're speaking to here in the terms of we could be seeing an increased sleep efficiency, meaning less total sleep, because the body's actually being more efficient at detoxing and recovering secondary to red light therapy treatments. But moving on here. Both photobiomodulation therapy and sleep have been suggested to have implications in similar damage-repairing mechanisms. Thus, it is possible that participation in full-body photobiomodulation therapy reduces the degree of restoration required during a subsequent sleep period, though this has not been evaluated. Sleep is a vulnerable behavior that is susceptible to changes by influence of exercise, nutrition, stress, and psychology, just to name a few. While it is of high value to understand the relationships that each of these factors can hold with photobiomodulation, it is also vital that evaluations are made under conditions that allow for high variability within each confound similar to that of a real-world setting. As such, the possibility of a placebo effect cannot be ruled out from this observational analysis as with any clinical intervention. Though it should be noted that subjects were unaware of the hypothesis discussed herein at the time of collection as data was not collected specifically for research purposes. In summary, casual integration of full-body photobiomodulation therapy by elite athletes was associated with observed single-night reductions in sleep duration concurrent with augmentations in autonomic profile, namely reduction in heart rate and an increase in heart rate variability. Sleep is an active process involving most of the body's systems that contributes to recovery through the maintenance of homeostasis. A similar integrated perspective should be considered when using full-body photobiomodulation therapy to promote recovery. The involvement of numerous bodily systems in the recovery process suggests added utility for full-body photobiomodulation therapy as compared to the localized administration methods utilized throughout much of the literature, which tends to focus only on the obvious source of damage, i.e. key muscle groups. The findings presented herein provide a novel approach to determining the efficacy of photobiomodulation therapy that warrant continued research. So, I thought that was a pretty interesting article, and they brought up a lot of great points. And just like they said in the summary there, essentially that a lot of the sleep research out there with uh, light therapy and red light therapy, they're looking at targeted treatments or targeted areas, trying to induce production of melatonin through these extra pineal tissues. Whereas what they're suggesting is that we're probably going to see best and most efficacious results by doing full body treatments. And and they were seeing trends towards, again, a decrease in heart rate, 
and an increase in heart rate variability. They did see that decrease in overall sleep the night after red light therapy. And again, they can't say exactly why based on the study, but they do have their hunches that it is because possibly these restoration systems, like I named the glymphatic system, amongst others, may be operating more effectively, more efficiently, secondary to probably having more energy via ATP production from the mitochondria. Thus, the body needs less sleep to accomplish its restoration process while you're sleeping. But anyway, like they said, we need more research like this, full body treatments, whether it's on athletes or just more real world scenarios, so we can get a better picture of really the best way to use red light therapy to optimize sleep, because sleep health and sleep hygiene should be one of your top priorities when it comes to health and wellness and longevity. And that's what I've really learned over the last handful of years, something I didn't take seriously, even when I was in PT school, you know, I'd stay up super late to wake up early, go to class, didn't really think twice about sleep from a health perspective, but I certainly have the last handful of years and I do take pride and take care of my my sleep hygiene and my sleep quality. And it's because that's when your body repairs, it's when it restores. And really, especially if you're someone who's looking to build muscle or just become stronger, more fit, that's truly when the rubber meets the road as far as building muscle or building strength. It happens when you're sleeping. It doesn't necessarily happen when you're in the gym or even that post-meal, those are beneficial factors. When you get that biggest release in uh, growth hormone throughout the day, it's actually when you're sleeping. So if you're skimping on your sleep, you're skimping on a handful of restorative processes that you really need, not just for lifting and being fit and whatnot, but for overall health and wellness. This is just another feather in the cap for whenever people are asking me, what device should I get? Like what size or what type Of course, as you guys know, if you listen, often is that there's two pretty big variables when deciding which device. And and part of that is A, how important is mobility? And then B, how important is the treatment size? Because some people just want to treat their face. Some people just want to treat their thyroid. Some people just want to treat, you know, a wound. So maybe you don't need a full body panel for that or or even a a medium-sized panel. But if it's someone who's just interested in red light therapy because they want to integrate it into their life and it could get the biggest bang for their buck, so to speak, then I always say full body is the best bang for your buck from a health and wellness perspective because A, you're exposing your your cells and your mitochondria to red and near-infrared light on a consistent basis. Full body, meaning you're getting the systemic benefits of modulating inflammation, improving circulation, augmenting mitochondrial health. But then articles like this take it a step further and show that, and the one the BioLite did last year in 2021, that full body treatments, you can significantly tap into your parasympathetic nervous system. So you can almost instantaneously reduce your stress. And according to this article I just covered here, you can have a more effective, potentially more efficient sleep the night after doing a full body red light therapy session. And of course, the benefits of a good night's sleep. I mean, we could spend I mean, I could start a whole other podcast based on that alone. Just go ahead and read Matthew Walker's book on sleep if you're on the fence or, or not a believer of, of quality sleep. But regardless, that's why I'm always a, a mega fan of, of doing red light therapy, full body red light therapy, whether that's a panel, whether that's a mat, whether that's a bed, just getting that full body red light therapy on a consistent basis. And of course, getting as much full body sun exposure during the earlier, later parts of the day. So you're not getting that intense UV radiation, getting that full body light exposure on a consistent basis is equally important from a native source 
meaning the sun. But those are the two articles we're going to cover today, guys. That first one, which is a little shorter, but had some pretty interesting points as far as preconditioning the cells to help with radiation treatment, both reducing the radiation necessary and making the radiation more effective, and then looking at full body red light therapy treatment for elite athletes and how it improved their sleep. Just like the BioLife study, they saw the trends of reducing heart rate, improving heart rate variability. And then, of course, this article saw a reduction in sleep, which may be the little nugget that further research needs to continue as to why was there less sleep? Because less sleep doesn't always mean less quality sleep. They could have had just more efficient, higher quality sleep because of the full body treatment. So to be continued, I'm sure. And of course, I'll cover that and relay the information to you guys as that information comes out. But as always, thank you guys for sticking around and listening to this episode. I hope you found those two pieces of research interesting. As always, we find some little tidbits within the articles to talk about and kind of highlight different aspects and principles of red light therapy. So it's always good to continue to touch upon those and just reaffirm and repeat these principles because the better we can all understand red light therapy, the better we know how to utilize it, the better our health should be because of it. So appreciate you all. Thanks again. And as always, if you haven't yet, please take a quick 30 seconds to leave that five-star review either on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, I should say, or Spotify. I would greatly appreciate that. And that way, This podcast can be more easily found by those looking to improve their health and wellness, whether it's by red light therapy or not. That way, those people can learn the same information you have about red light therapy, and hopefully this information has positively impacted your life or at least positively impacted your health. So again, if you would leave that five-star review, I would be forever grateful. But regardless, you guys continue to enjoy your December. Stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, light up your health. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.